Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Patricia Gregory starts a brand new series entitled Choose, and this one's going to be a blessing. Make sure to share this with your friends and family, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. First, let me open with some humor. Y'all not ready for this? Y'all not ready for this? All right, my joke. Minister Johnny Walker, he answers the phone, and the person on the other end says, hello, is this Minister Walker? It is. This is the IRS. Can you help us? I can. Do you know Clayton and Lisa Brown? I do. Are they members of your congregation? They are. Did, he, did they donate $10,000 to the church? They will. <laughs> ah, that was so funny to me. I read it to my honey yesterday. He was distracted looking at football because he was like, wait, I didn't get it. I was like, you the pastor and you didn't get it. Come on now. All right, last joke, last joke. This one is just hilarious to me. A wife comes down, is on her way downstairs carrying two big old bags. And she says, honey, can you help me carry these bags downstairs? He said, I can, but what are these bags for? Well, I need help taking them over to the Goodwill. Well, why don't you just throw them in the garbage? That would be so much easier. He says, no, I don't want to throw them in the garbage because I want to give them to the starving and poor people out there. He says, honey, believe me, anyone that's starving and hungry and poor can't fit your clothes. He is recovering right now at Grady Hospital and out of ICU. All right, all right, so let's dive on in on a serious note now. <laughs> ah, some of y'all just need to laugh for real. So, today, on this Sunday, is 9-11. Today, we commemorate one of the most horrific attacks on U.S. soil in history. 21 years ago today, over 3,000 people perished because of the, the convicted, believing, and committed acts of terrorists. They were so committed to their God and their leadership that they were willing to risk their lives and kill as many Americans as possible for their cause. And for what? It was just to shake them up and threaten them, threaten us to make us believe that they really hold power. Now, history has proven that evil has provoked great change. History has proven that evil has provoked great change. But my submission to you is why? Why? Why does it take something terrible, a tragedy, trauma, to finally evoke great change? And quite simply put, because of the choices that was made beforehand. Now, evil's in the earth. There's nothing we're going to do about that. But change can happen before evil has its way. 
It's just the goodness of God that will turn evil into his good purpose. He didn't cause the evil, nor did he even permit the evil. He gives us choices. He gives us the ability to choose. And what we choose, no matter how micro it may be, can have catastrophic consequences to people beyond ourselves. Many of people today are dealing with mama issues and daddy issues because of a decision that was made before they were born. So my goal on this Sunday is to enlighten you of the conditions of humanity, because you know I love facts. I love how practical and nitty-gritty God can be. But I want to make you aware of the conditions of humanity in today's society, typical behavior, and some of its consequences. Now this time that we will have together is meant to provoke you. I don't want to make you scared. I don't want to make you angry. I don't even want to make you too happy. But I believe the Spirit of God want to convict you to make change now. Because your individual change will and can and will impact a multitude beyond your knowledge. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20, from the message translation. Pastor Gregory ministered on it uh, for three, three, three Sundays, and it was so good, y'all. If you missed it, you better go and, and, and you better, you know, rewind the tape. Y'all don't do tapes no more. You know, go back. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Go back. And upload it, listen to it, go on the app, download the app. Oh, that's right. If you don't have the app, you want the app. Amen. Amen. And we got a lot of changes that's coming, so you want to be in the know. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessings and curses. So, Choose life so that you and your children will live and love God, your God, listening obediently to him, firmly embracing him. That was the foundation text of Choose Life. The name of this is Choose. Now, I'm a person that God has brought me a long way in the area of patience. Oh, see, you get me. You, I feel understood by those five or six amens. <laughs> so, you know, in my business, my, my secular business, I deal with a lot of people. And sometimes people get to this place of indecision. And <laughs> I'm black and white. Here's the gray. Choose. No matter what choice you make, it might not be a bad choice, but make a decision. And sometimes I just have to dismiss myself. Ooh, let me talk about my husband. <laughs> my baby is slow. Depending on the gravity of the decision, let me tell you, we aren't talking about moving for another two to three years. Do you know he's already making decisions? He's starting his decision, because it's going to take him two to three years to finally <laughs> land someplace. 
he's looking and scouring and searching, and, and I'm like, okay, here, me, I don't want to even enter into that zone until it's time to push the butt, the, the stroke the pen, right? But we have to choose, and in our choosing, even if it's not a bad, a good cho uh, choice, I'm still inviting you to make a decision, even in your trauma and your chaos, that this is bad. In your good choices or your bad choices, you still have to choose what to do next. And I encourage you to make your next step a good step. I don't care how low you are in the ground. Tomorrow, some of you, even online, might be facing your sentence hearing. Divorce decrees. Bankruptcy, eviction, confiscation. I don't care what you're facing. But God. And as bad as it looks, you still have the ability. I don't care how much of the word you do or don't know. It takes courage to say, you know what? I have to step beyond me. And do what's in my gut, in my shanana to make a good decision. Now. You see, I got this new little thingamajig here. I, I think I like it. John chapter 20, verse 31, it says later on in the verse, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Life in his name means you don't die. That song, he won't fail, he won't fail, he won't. Listen, the lyrics of those songs is a message by itself if you would just embrace it. He says, so that you can have life in his arms. That means you are more than a conqueror. You are above and never beneath. You are the head and not the tail. You have peace in every situation. The storms may come, the winds may blow, but you're, you are safe in him. He is a refuge and a mighty fortress. To him will you run and be safe. He says, these things were written so that you may believe. And in your believing, in your believing, not in your knowing, not in your confessing, because confessing is supposed to only further deepen believing. But in your believing, and you don't believe something until you start acting on it. And in God, it requires you to act outside of your own strength. I remember one time. This is some years ago when they were just building the express lanes here in Atlanta. I know you're watching from Florida. I know you're watching from Texas. I know you're watching from Michigan and California. Hey. But we're just now catching up on the express lane. And so when they were building the express lane, some of you heard this story before. They were, you know, pretty much finished with that express lane. And, but the traffic, there was still construction. They were just still doing some things. And the traffic on 75 was, I mean, I mean, it's always pretty bad. But it was really, really bad, right? No, it was, it was not 75. It was 85. 
the express lane, it was bad, and 85 is still bad. But it was 85, and I was just stuck in traffic. This is when we were living in Duluth. And I'm like, and I just happened to look. I do pay attention to the signage. And I looked, and it said on the express line, lane, because everybody was over on the regular lane, but on the express lane, there was a few cars just zooming by, zooming by, zooming by. I was like, oh. And it just, I just looked up at the sign, and it said, lane open, no charge. Lane open, no charge. I was like, oh, hey. hey. <laughs> and I got over in that lane and just sped on through and got, to my, uh, got home. Now, what was ironic to me as I looked and, and, I, and as I recalled while I was driving, that most of the people didn't read the sign and therefore was stuck in traffic, dealing with inconvenience, dealing with delays, and dealing with having to be late. If they just read the sign and got in the right lane, they would have been on their way. If we would just read the signs, the B-I-B-L-E, we would know to get in the right lane where there's no charge, the lane is open, and be on our way. Now, only thing about this, I should have unlocked it. Now, it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Philippians 2, verse 12. And all these notes are in the YouVersion Bible app. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So in other words... We are all not at the same place in our salvation. Saints that are more seasoned, don't criticize the saints that's on their way. Because you aren't where you need to be. Jesus is not on the throne criticizing. Look at, in fact, he says that I am not counting against you what you have not yet exercised. And saints that's on your way, listen, don't think that you're insufficient because of where you are. I've seen people get saved. Me. I was saved on one day, got baptized a few weeks later, and was on my way. A lot of things had changed. In fact, my, my job at the time was, well, who is this person? Because God was able to do a change in me immediately. And I saw him prosper me immediately. I started seeing him favor me immediately. I saw him direct my steps Immediately, not because I knew a lot, because I didn't. I was just able to quote John 3:16, just like y'all. The only difference between me and anybody else was that I believed. Because I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. James chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. On the flip side of that, you are responsible for what you do know. He says, to him that know to do good and don't do it, to him it is sin. In the King James Version, it is sin. You have mixed God. So if you know you shouldn't lie, If, she, if you know you shouldn't be getting your freak on and you single, mm. 
but God understands my heart. Yes, he understands that your heart is still compelled to sin. He doesn't love you any less. You could have just been tricking last night. He does not love you any less. You could have just taken some puffs last night. He doesn't love you any less. You could have just lied and cheated on your spouse last night, but he doesn't love you any less. However, the consequences of what we do wrong when we know it's wrong is not erased until we decide to make the next step right. And then he starts working in and through us to make the situation right. But you got to want to. You got to want to. God gives us a right to choose our course in life. In the earth, in the earth, there is seed time and harvest. In the earth, there is good and bad. In the earth, in the earth, in the atmosphere, in the universe. God has created seed, time, and harvest. For every action, there's a reaction. Yin and yang, karma, whatever you want to call it. What comes around goes around. Whatever you want to call it, it is in the earth. So therefore, whatever you think you're doing in secret, it has a way of showing up. So if we aren't conscious of what's going on around us, in this present day, we jeopardize our future, but we also change the course or even the perspective of our history. I was reading the book because it's just so interesting to me, uh, 1984, and George Orwell says, who controls the past controls the future, and who controls the present controls the past. Did you get that? He who controls the past controls the future. So if you're aware of your history, then you could change the course of your future. But those who control the present controls the past. You could live in the present and change your past. Edmund Burke says, he who has no knowledge of his history is bound to repeat it. Not that you live in your history, but you are aware of what happened. See, trauma doesn't just go away. Trauma that rests in the base of your skull, when things happen, that PTSD thing, I've seen it. I lived it in my father. He just didn't know he was dealing with it. It has no timeline. So when things happen, stuff snaps, and you, you, it puts you back in this space. But if you don't know how to deal with that, and understand that you are in the present and not in the history, then you will continue to live in this ugly cycle of the history. But if in your present you could change your responses, not that it didn't happen, but you can change your responses to it, you can rewrite history because now that trauma that was meant to take you out, you know now and understand that God can use it to build me yet a better future. See, what you thought you did to me just made me stronger. It made me better. It made me rise higher. When they went low, i.e. Michelle Obama, we went high. 
because I rest on the, on the wings of an eagle, and his name is Jesus. Now, quickly, I need three people, three strong, healthy, vibrant people. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I only got 10 minutes. I don't want you, Minister Johnny. Okay, I got two guys. Come on, Dad. Come on, Dave. Uh, Coach T. Coach T is, uh, uh, Coach T, you're phys- I, I, I know you're strong. I know you. I would have my daughter up here, but she started crying to me about her heels. You got on heels, too. That's all right. Come on. Strong people. We got a tennis player. David, I'm going to give it to you. What do you do? You, you just strong. You just big and strong. Hold this plate. This plate weighs no more than a pound. Hold this plate. Hold this plate. Now, y'all tell me if they cheat, but I want you to hold the plate like this. Just hold it like that. Now, hold it. Now, I want to read to you some statistics. Y'all tell me if they start sinking. They can't cheat, okay? They are strong, capable, healthy. Dad plays tennis. Dad, how old are you? Number one, he doesn't look his age. Number two, he's single but working on something. And this man can play tennis better than most, definitely better than me. But uh, that's why he's so skinny. All right, so they're holding up a plate, less than a pound. Y'all can deal with a pound, right? It's pretty easy. Pound isn't hard. All right, so let me read to you some statistics. This is the state of the church, all right? We just got through hearing the state of the union addresses, and we got elections coming up. This is the state of the church. You can go back and counter-reference this, do your fact-checking, Pew Research Online, and Lifetime, Life, Life Research, LifeWave Research Online. Some of this comes from the CDC, and some of this comes from um, National Economics Association stats. Now, number one, only 20% of Christians worldwide actually believe that the Bible is the breathed word of God. Only 20%. They do believe in its history. They do believe in its ability, what it's meant to do, encourage and strengthen and motivate. And there are promises in there and formulas in there towards success. But only 20% truly believe that it has power to change lives. Never mind that it's written by over 40 authors and over a span of 3,400 years. 20% of people that call themselves Christians believe that the Bible is the breathed word of God. That is fascinating to me. Three out of 10 Americans today are considered nons. Three out of 10 Americans today are considered nons. In other words, not religiously affiliated. Agnostic, atheist, just don't care. But 10 years ago, it was just one out of 10. 10 years ago, it was just one out of 10. Number three, a third statistics. 38% of Americans find their fulfillment in family. 38% of Americans say, I am fulfilled when I spend time and I and with my family. And that's not a bad thing. 25% of Americans find fulfillment in their occupation. 
I know I'm getting it on because I'm the CEO, COO, CFO, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> Owner, president of my organization. They find fulfillment in that. It goes on and on and on and on down eight different things. Money, material possession, home ownership, traveling and vacations, hobbies and recreations. All these people find fulfillment in all these things. And at the bottom of the list, only 2% of Americans find fulfillment in their faith. And the only thing that is above is the 1% that find fulfillment in their pets. It was eight different things, and at the very bottom of the list was 2% faith and 1% pets. Now, you know, and Christians, we have had this tendency to think the Jews got it going on. And, you know, nothing about the Jewish faith. But I want to do some comparables. This isn't me talking. This is the research that came about. 21% of Jews find their religion as being, as being important to life matters. But 57% of Christians find their religion being as important to life matters. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we actually operate with some higher levels of conviction. Five, 12% of Jews find attendance important. 38% of Christians find church attendance as being important. Okay, 38%. I'll take it, though. 32% of Jews seldom attend church services. However, 52% of Christians that believe that church attendance is important don't attend church on a regular basis. I'll call that the EMCs. Are they still holding up their place back there? I'll call them the e What'd you say? Oh, they're going up higher. All right. Oh, yeah, straighten it a little bit more, but that's all right. That's going to get them too. 48% of Americans believe that the Bible should influence politics or laws. 28% of Christians believe that it should influence laws even over the will of the people. But 68% of, and 68% of Christians, just period, believe that the Bible should have some influence of the laws in the land. However... 59% of recent laws in the past 20 years were made contrary to Christian beliefs. 59% of the laws that were adopted, some of them you don't even know about, were contrary to typical Christian, or it says here, religion beliefs. So that's Jewish, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, contrary to most religious views. Lifeway research says among Christians, 58% of Christians are comfortable with sharing their faith. Say, not me. 78% that was weak. 78% of Christians seldom share their faith. Now we got all these people coming out the closet, but all the Christians going in the closet. No disrespect to other people and their lifestyles, but listen, you got to be just as bold, just as loud, just as audacious. I just read it to you. He that knows to do what's good, but don't do it to him and his count as sin. 
You can't hide up under a rock when they start talking crazy. Fifty-nine percent of Christians never invited anyone to church. Sixty-six percent of teens drop out of church once they leave their parents' house. Now, on the flip side, some good news. They still holding up their plates? Crime is down about 49 percent. Crime in general is down about 49% since 20, 1993 to 2019. They said crime is down about 49%. That's a good thing, right? However, suicide is the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34. 10 years old. I was talking with a counselor who had to counsel a nine-year, an eight-year-old who had attempted suicide. How did we get here, folks? Mental illness is up 17% since 2019, and it increases on ge in general from 6 to 11% year over year. This is the CDC says that 19.86 Americans have been diagnosed with a mental condition, and 4.7% of it is severe. In the church, we've seen it firsthand. So what am I saying? I don't want to belabor it. But what am I saying? These facts have shifted throughout the years. And of course, we want to imagine a land that's prosperous, healing, safe, and secure. And that might not happen until we really truly get to heaven. But the reality is, though certain things are shifting in our favor, when that happens, other things are shifting against the Christian. And I truly believe with all my heart it's because we have failed to be the soldiers that respond when crisis happens boldly with our faith. You know, um, there's a trend that goes along with this. There's about, you know, and, and, and here I've talked about this before. There is a trend. There is a pattern that happens. And I want you to see where you may fall in the pattern. Because if you're careful, then you can keep the healthy aspects of the pattern going. There's always ebbs and flows. Life happens to everybody. As much as I tried to eat right and exercise and be healthy, not smoke, stop drinking. You know how college days can be. Life happened to me. And I found out that this cancerous cell was in me as an embryo. As an embryo, it just took 52 years to finally show itself. And praise God that God, I believe with all my heart, God held it back for 52 years. Because in the circle, the foundation that I'm a part of, there are teenagers dealing with this. Right? So I believe that he held it back for 52 years. Did he stop holding it back? No, he didn't stop holding it back because I believe that it's dead now. It's just that the enemy had a way, and I had a wake-up call, right? So then, the, the pattern is typically this. Y'all all right back there? Uh-uh, get your arms back out. Get your arms. No, that's too much. That's too much. Okay, get your arms out. Get your arms out like this. Your suit jacket. See, 
excuses. There are about 26 major world empires in history. About 26 major empires throughout history. Empires that control land mass, that control resources, that control exchange, that rule and govern over people, have financial prosperity. There are about 26 major empires. And each of them fail. It took, takes about 200 years. It took about 200 years for those empires to fall. Now, we are in an age where America is an empire. It is a major world empire. It is the most powerful country in the world. But don't get it twisted. We are not on stilts of steel whereby we cannot fall. And I know the grace of God and the believers, the remnant that he has in the earth, is the only reason why we're past that 200-year mark. It is proven in the Bible that all God needs is 30% of the people. If he can get 30% of the people convicted to serve him, he will preserve a land. And so the, there's nine stages to the rise and fall of an, of an empire. But the rise and the fall of an empire didn't start with the empire. It started with the communities. But didn't start with the communities. Let's back it up to the families. Wait a minute, but how did it start with the families unless it started with the individuals? So you can impact a change and a shift in an entire empire if we get on the same page. Whether that empire rises or whether that empire falls. Hitler only prospered because he had so many people to blindly follow his evil purpose. Whoever gathers together, believing in something, they will prosper. Read the Tower of Babel. Nine stages of the rise and fall of an empire. Nine stages. Number one, bondage to spiritual faith. Bondage to spiritual faith. Get your arms up, get your arms up, get your arms up. Get your arms up, get your arms up, get your arms up, get your arms up, get your arms up. Uh-uh. You see Coach T, she rests them on her boobies back there. Can't be resting them on them boobies. We got a lot to cover. And you do not want to leave before the service is dismissed because Pastor Gregory has a lot of great announcements to make, so you don't want to leave. All right, I had to put that in there. Is that okay, baby? Okay. Number one. Now, come on, y'all. I'm serious now. Bring it back in. Number one, bondage to spiritual faith. It is when people are suffering that they say, you know what? I need something beyond me to get me out. Number two, they go from spiritual faith to great courage. When you believe in the most high God, when you believe in a power that's beyond you, when you can say, you know what, I don't know how, I don't know what, what, when, but I know that I'm going to make it through. Just like that song, I'm going to make it through. 
something. Wait, wait, what is that? Uh, all I know is I'm gonna make it. Winds blow. Rain came, winds blew. I'm my whatever. Spiritual faith to great courage. This is when you have the courage to step out into the unknown, to do things beyond yourself. Because if it was within yourself, guess what? You're going to get your results. Some of you say you got a plan, but you really don't want that plan. Because, see, your plan is subject to limited results. When you step outside of you, there's unlimited results. Great courage leads to liberty, freedom, liberty, exchange, the ability to do, the ability to be. Liberty leads to abundance. I own businesses now. I'm part of the banking industry. I've got my PhD. I'm the COO. I'm the CEO. I'm the president. It leads to abundance. However, if we're not careful, Abundance will lead to selfishness. And that has happened in the rise and fall of every empire. Abundance led to selfishness. I work for this. I don't owe this to anybody. I need to know what the write-offs are. I need to, I, 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 I built, I do, I am, I was. This is mine, 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 mine. Abundance leads to selfishness. Then selfishness can lead to complacency. I'm good. I'm good. Me, me and my four, we're good. No more. What? What happened to so-and-so? Okay, I'll pray for him. Instead of, let's rally the people up to see how we can help her move. And it doesn't always have to be the pastor. I can't tell you how many. I want to change my number sometimes. I said it. Because we get calls and we just can't do every. We can't. We are not God. And sometimes God didn't tell us or call us in that situation to do everything. However, the people that's calling on behalf of the person that ha that's fallen is a person that needs to do. Selfishness turns to complacency. Complacency can turn into apathy. And I tell you, apathy is a dangerous thing. Y'all all right? Uh-uh. What you doing? Mm. Mm. Arms have to be straight. Oh. They up here like this. They're cheating. <laughs> apathy leads to dependence, and dependence leads right back to bondage. You know, I have people, and I hear people not here. None of y'all did this. I mean, y'all perfect. But I mean, people were in an uproar about not getting their stimulus check. And it's still people uh, back home in different places that need Social Security numbers for write-offs for the child tax credit. Co-parents are arguing today about who's going to claim the child tax. The dependents, y'all. I'm mad at my boss. I show up on time and I leave on time. I should get a raise. No, you don't. You accepted a job with these conditions. They may owe you an inflation hike, but until, unless you overperformed, your boss is not responsible for your prosperity. Just like the doctor is not responsible for your healing. 
just like your spouse is not responsible for your peace of mind and happiness. So when we're in dependence upon man, it leads to bondage. And then time happens until we are back to spiritual faith. And this is historical. It was written by Alex Frazier Tyler back in the 1700s. So what happens to an empire first happens to a community, then happens to families, and then happens to individuals. It starts with the individual. Now, these three people, <laughs> as strong as they are and as capable as they are, thank you, y'all. What they just demonstrated that what starts out as light, what may start out as easy, what may start out as doable, there's a law in the earth in this situation called gravity. And in and, 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 and wrong ways, contrary choices can start off easy, can start off doable, can start off real capable, make you seem you're capable to figure it out. If I do this one, it might even seem like it doesn't really hurt anybody. But see, the longer you stay in it, the longer you allow it to linger, the longer you don't make the right decision, gravity will pull that plate down. And you might even have some people to come up and help you hold it. But the only one that can get you out of it is God. It is God. When we finally surrender and let go of the plate and lift up our hands and surrender, then does he come and say, okay, how do we get you out of this? I'm going to end it right here. There's a whole lot more. We're going to talk about fighting next week. I, I said it. <laughs> I might come out here with my gi next week. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about fighting next week. This cycle, where are you in this cycle? Where are you? Where are you in your relationships? The most important thing in life are your relationships. Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children. When you are on that last moment, you're not regretting not having taken that promotion, you're regretting, you're thinking about relationships. Who are you leaving what to and what do you want to say to those last people? Listen, I have had to deal with my own mortality these past few months. And of course, the enemy will have me to go out and update my will, make sure my insurance policy, he will have me to do all that. In the midst of that, I was thinking about what would I say? What would I do? with the ones that matter to me the most. So where are you in your relationships? Where are you in your beliefs, in your convictions? Where are you on your career path? Where are you, are you fulfilling that purpose that God has placed within you? Where are you? Baby girl, baby boy, he has called you lovely. He has called you beautiful woman of God. He has called you handsome, man of God. Guess what? No matter what you do, if you're in him, he's called you holy. 
He's called you righteous. He's called you victorious. Find out where you are on that scale and make a decision to either rise up in the best of cycles or get right in the worst of cycles. And that getting right means to step outside of your own thinking and find out his way of thinking. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I trust and believe that your word has penetrated hearts, has resurrected thoughts and minds that need to be reconsidered. Holy Spirit, you're dealing with people right now on where they are and what they need to do. You're wooing them to your arms, making them safe. So, Father, as your word has gone forth, I just thank you in advance for the change and the impact that you're making in the lives of your people, not just on today, but beyond. Cause them to be light. Cause them to be focal points. Cause them to, them to be loud and proud about who they believe in and where they stand. Father, may they see what's on the other side of fear. The other side of fear is victory. The other side of fear is healing. The other side of fear is prosperity. So I thank you for manifesting this in the lives of your sons and daughters in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God, we are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.